0: Hello, citizens of the Imperium, and welcome back to Horus Hour. I'm your host, Sing. With me, as always, my venerable Sigilite, the Blading Carmine. Hello there. Yep. Unfortunately, the Spear of Telesto could not be here today. No, it's of course Varela. Um, Blading Carmine on the mind, sorry. Um,
1: are, are you sure uh, it's me? I'm feeling pretty sharp right now. Pretty sharp? <laughs> Pretty sharp.
0: Damn, dude! You know, I've got a suit on, looking like the blading karma like, I'll use that <laughs> one. I use that one going forward. Um, but yeah, we're we're back with the second of the three installments of this season. Um, we are covering Ruinstorm. Now, I don't really know too much at all about this book before R- listening to. it you know, the past few weeks for the pod. Um, I, I knew that in summary, it was the story, it was like linking the Imperium Secundus to Terra because there's an important character in Imperium Secundus who kind of needs to be at Terra. And um, yeah, so, so this book is the story of the Triumvirate, the blonde boys, Sanguinius, Gilliman and the lion. Trying to break through the ruin storm, hence the name. Would yeah, you look at that.
1: On an adventure together.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you find the book, Varela? I, I
1: thought I thought it was, you know, as, as always. I thought it was pretty good, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it 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 was decent. It had some cool moments. I think, as part of contributing to the overarching heresy story, it was a bit. It was quite disappointing. I think there was some real missed opportunities for some really interesting stuff, but it kind of feels like it was, oh, it's a novel that needs to be written. Don't change anything too crazy, Mr. Author. Good luck. I mean, you
1: I know? can see your point. Yeah, I can see your point. Um,
0: but- and we can talk about those specific things in the in the spoiler section. But like, ultimately, if you were like if you weren't doing what we do, if you were starting the Horus Heresy from fresh, but you were like, I want to get to the siege of terror and I want only the juiciest books. You just like, you could read the Imperium Secundus arc and then just like, someone could just tell you "Oh, Sanguinius gets to terror. Don't worry about it. You know, and nothing would really be any different. So as the novel is cool. And I would say, if you've got the time, check it out. If you do a podcast on it, check it out. Um, I wouldn't skip it necessarily Um, you know as a podcast episode I didn't feel disappointed that we've chosen to do it um, because we needed to see where these characters ended up but yeah I don't know about you but I I don't feel like it contributed to the heresy
1: I just really thought that uh, the lion was going to Caliban man
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I mean Wait, well, yeah, was that not established at the angel- end of Angels of Caliban? No, Uh-oh. he changes his mind. Changes his mind, doesn't he? He does. Uh, in, <laughs> I don't
1: remember.
0: In Angels of Caliban, he has his sword broken, he storms off, and then he kind of comes back and grovels and apologizes. And they like oh, they're right. Yeah,
1: they're yeah, yeah. You.
0: Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, and and uh, there is continuation from Imperium, Imperium Secundus Arc in this in this book. that there's like major characters that could have really been used, and it just falls a little bit short, in my opinion. Doesn't mean we can't have a talk about it. I think it's good enough for that. Um, so, do you have anything to add before we go into the spoiler section?
1: Uh, no, not really. I don't think so.
0: Okay. Well, let's head into the spoilers of Ruinstorm. And we'll go to the Thursday ratings. I think um, not too many this time, which either is just poor timing because her- you know certain companies taken our day. You know we were here first, Games Workshop. I mean you can't respect Thursday ratings. So you got to come in with Heresy Thursday. Damn, but True. but we did have some, but not many. Which is maybe a little bit easier for us today. Because I sometimes feel like I love doing them, but I sometimes feel like. Oh man, I just did all those Thursday ratings and now I gotta talk for another hour, you know? So, so we can, we can kick on. So, why don't you, we'll keep the one from Discord until the end and I'll just go through the Twitter ones. Sounds good. Okay, so Matt says six out of ten, three cool Primarchs together, but it all went a bit weird and horror movie halfway through. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think the 6 out of 10 is fair when you're considering it within the scope of, like, the heresy as a as a Harris, heresy novel. Um, horror movie? I mean, that's subjective. I didn't really feel it went too horror movie. I think it was sort of established early on that they weren't really going to fight enemy space marines in this. This was them. They'd won in the 500 worlds. You know, Lorgar and Angron have been sort of it away the pharos sort of and the night lords at pharos is sort of a culmination and and so they needed to get through the ruin storm which is just warp fuckery right so it was kind of inevitable that they were going to encounter warp fuckery
1: i mean they, they did fight space marines although it was just a it, it was Didn't just they? smurfs yeah it was just the smurfs and it was just like a tiny tiny when? thing uh it's where gilliman got the uh fames
0: Oh right, what planet? Yeah. Oh um, no, right at the start. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was. Um, oh, right
0: at the start. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. That yeah, I think that's sort of showing that. I think that was you're right, and I think that was to demonstrate that they were sort of, it was at the tail end of a 500 Worlds campaign, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I would, yeah. We'll get into, we'll get into it. we'll keep going with the Thursday ratings. Um, the urge, he says. Oh, sorry, they say. This one pleasantly surprised me as a conclusion to the Imperium Secundus arc. It's interesting because I I guess I would think of it as like a connector between the Imperium Secundus arc and the Siege of Terror, right? I know it's like all the same characters and stuff, but it's kind of like for me, I wouldn't want to include this in a list of the Imperium Secundus books. I don't know about you.
1: I I mean, I, I guess it's like it's a DLC to the Imperium Secundus arc. Yeah. You
0: know what I, mean? I think the Imperium Secundus arc is probably, like... is It's the only, like, definitive arc, I would say, of the Horus Heresy, right? But what do you mean? I guess, like, the, Scar, Scar, the White Scars have two books, right? But in terms of, like... There's nowhere else in the Horus Heresy that does, like... A continued focus on a specific area for several books.
1: I mean, you got the, um... You got the initial trilogy, I suppose. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, after, yeah, after
0: Galaxy and flame Once this whole thing kicks off, um, I would say after... And it's probably it was bigger than the original trilogy, right? It's like four four books, maybe five books, if you include uh, this one.
1: Yeah, four with this one, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, Unremembered Empire, Pharos, Angels of Caliban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the urge, in addition to that, the urge said, like the three Primarchs journey... It's A wild depiction of Warp's vastness of scale was cool. Some top-notch fights. I seem to recall Rabute, Superman punching a demon. Overall, really enjoyed. Eight out of ten. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I don't think yeah, I don't think I disliked this book. It just left me a little disappointed. I think they could have done more. Also, I think he's correct. When you're gonna do the warp, go big or go home, right? Because like the warp is something that is consistent in 30k and 40k. It's wacko. So you wanna put a Pajillion mile wall in space. Only the warp could do that, so go for it, you know. I I didn't really feel like they were overdoing it because I knew that they were fighting against the warp in this book, so it was like it made sense. It wasn't like Lorgar and the word bearers had built a brick wall that was like three million miles tall. Um Z- Zaphrodox 86 says it has cool descriptions of chaos changed universe, the action is solid, pure bolt porn. Sanguinius rocks as usual yeah i think this is an avengers level threat of a of a book i think the triumvirate are the, the avengers of the heresy especially at the end where they're literally all like fighting together um there or thereabouts um erin says i'd give it a 7 out of 10 it has some cool moments and i love how in depth it goes into Sanguinius's visions yeah i mean we'll talk about Sanguinius a lot in a minute because that was my main disappointment with this book um count elmdor says i figure this one is an eight it's got some pretty good stuff but also some brain bendy stuff that throws me throws my suspension of disbelief off somewhat i don't know if he's referring to the bajillion mile wall Um, i think he is (laughs) i imagine that that would do it um but you know when you're in the the 40k space scene is so immense as well right it's like if you come within 500 miles of another ship, it's a close call or something ridiculous. You know, it's like, you know, if you're within 100 miles, that's like point blank range for these warships. So you kind of scale accordingly, I guess. Um, yeah. And the irregular says eight Davins out of 10 demons. Quick one this week. Cool system size fortress. Feels like uh, this was the lion's turning point into a boss. I think this is like. I think we saw Lionel Johnson gain at least two brain cells this book.
1: Yeah, though, you know, it, it was still a close call. He still had to really scrub together to not make the wrong decisions. You know? Yeah, his
0: electrons really had to fire off a lot just to make sure he didn't completely ruin this whole thing <laughs> and, and get a lot of important people killed. a um, Heretic, he says. Eh, yeah, I mean... I do like that uh, you know I do like that there's repercussions for Abute from when that time he got a little tickle with a, with a knife uh, or nearly did didn't he didn't didn't quite get it done. Um Sangrinius thinks he can't die, demons can't beat the tri boys. Conrad just watching a sitcom. Great listen. Uh yeah, I mean that's it for that's it for Twitter, Conrad as well is, is I think someone we we need to talk to when we talk about after our ratings. Do you want to read out um whatever we've got on Discord?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, on Discord, we have the Blood of Sanguinius. Let me pull it back up. Here we go. Oh, no. <laughs> here we don't go. Where's the damn channel? There it is. <laughs> All right, I found it. Uh, we have By the Blood of Sanguinius with a 7.6587435 out of 10. That's uh, I bold. I think it's 7 decimals. Uh, that's, that's pretty good.
0: It's bold. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I I enjoyed this book and made sure to keep an unbiased view of as it was great to get some extended blood angels reading time. I was slightly worried on beginning to read this as Annandale wrote um the Damnation
0: or- of Pythos, which we skipped, which is basically like uh from what I understand, is like a load of shattered legions, so like Iron Hands and stuff end up in Jurassic Park and have to fight their way out. Oh, okay. So well, not yeah, not really impactful to the heresy, so we skipped it.
1: And he does say uh, which wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. So um, there you go. That was it. Uh...
0: <laughs> Brother, do you want to give your rating?
1: Sure. Uh, y- you know what? Out of respect for for the seven decimals, I'll only do six decimals. All right. Uh, and uh, my rating is actually a wolf's blade. Dot six, five, four, three, two, one. 'Cause we gotta have a little bit of you know, <laughs> countdown.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh out of spirit telesto. That's it. That's that's the review.
0: Okay, so what we'll, so my mine would be Hand of Dominion. Uh
1: yeah, a- yeah yeah. yeah, out, no yeah Hand
0: Probably. of Dominion point six seven antiques rotos starting up. Uh point <laughs> six seven eight three five six one uh out of the blading carmine.
1: All right, all right. Which I think says it all. Yes, I, I mean it, it is. We've just subscribed fifty percent of the book with just those four words, didn't we?
0: Yeah, my God, I look. I, I don't know if you get paid by the word when you do the heresy books. I know. I I don't know if there's something we're missing, but like you can just say Sanguinius' sword. You can just say Gilliman's power fist. You can just say the lines, whatever it is, is a sword isn't it? Because that's oh, this yeah, is what yeah. he, this is what he takes up after um, his sword gets snapped. Yeah, there, there it's it's one a one minor one gripe one. because it's not it's not like it's just a jab, really. It's not it's not uh, detrimental to the plot of the book, is it? It's just it's just the blading Carmine. <laughs> read a chapter of the book, drinking game shot every time. You hear the you hear any of the weapon names, you'll be good to go for a night out. I promise you.
1: There, there was one point in the book where I almost snapped because he, he goes like, "Oh yeah, the blade and carmine," and then like two sentences later, he actually says like, "Sanguinea says blade," and I'm like, "Why haven't you done this already?"
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and when you've got the audio book <laughs> as well, um, it, it is it makes you realize how often it's said. Um, Okay so we'll try we'll try and go on some major points here to make sure we get all of our rather than go through the book um, play by play. Um, I think Sanguinius there was a real opportunity here. So how in your opinion how does Sanguinius end like where's his mental state does he think he can win at all by the end of the book against Horus?
1: Uh I don't think so. I think at that point, he's just trying to make his death meaningful, right? Even says so. Like, And I was...
0: think... Sorry, sorry, go on.
1: Uh, th- yeah, that was pretty much I... it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think that was a... a because be... there's a point in the book, right? So Comrade Kears is introduced as well, which I, I don't think he's utilized well in this book at all. He's like, what in it for like 10 minutes of listening time? Maybe like a chapter of the book? Right, he's a
1: comedic relief, dude. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. But him and Sanguinius have both got the thing that they have premonitions and they can see the future in some capacity. And Sanguinius believes at one point in this book that he can win. He gets he he runs the the simulation again and again and again and again and again, and, again. and eventually he gets a play where he kills Horus with the blade and Carmine, and and he's like, oh my god, there is an outcome here where I, I can win. I know I'm going to fight him, but there is that infinitesimal chance where everything's going to be okay. And this freaks Conrad out. And initially I think, oh, that's gonna, this is going to be really interesting. And I think there's a massive missed opportunity to revert Sanguinius's train of thought back to, oh, well, I'm going to die. I think he should have been going into the Siege of Terror thinking he had a chance. Um, and I, I think, not to spoil the Siege of Terror, but I think he acts very non like very nonchalant but he he clearly doesn't he knows he's not going to die in the fighting of the siege he knows he has to go up to the vengeful spirit to die so he's doing sick stuff in a siege of terror he can still think that right but he also thinks that all of this might mean he gets to win at the end I, I, And
1: I, I think the main reason he doesn't think he can win is because if you remember uh, the one future he sees where he wins was actually created by a demon, uh, and the reason um, Kurz is so freaked out is because you know how what was it one or two books ago where the they talked about fate woven. I think it's fate woven, right? Uh,
0: okay.
1: Yeah, where, where it's just like people slash demons slash whatever that can like change fate. Yeah. And like I think Sanguini is ends up being fate-woven. But the thing is, he chose to just follow the same path. Because if he followed the other path, where he actually wins, he just yeah. falls into chaos. Just like Horus does, right? Yeah,
0: um, I get through the logic of what's been written in the book. Um, why he ends up feeling that way. I just think it would have made it a lot more impactful because let's face it, he's not going to make it in the final book. Is he? I don't think it's going to, I don't think he's, don't think he's getting outcome 13 million. You know, it's,
1: I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. He's sitting on the throne,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but when he does bite it, you know, he, you know, cause he, he basically knows everything that's going to happen now to so his legion and everything. I feel like leave that all in, but leave in the chance. He's like, I'm going to go fight Horace. I'm gonna try my damnedest because there is that slim chance that I can pull this off. And then when he doesn't, it makes it so much worse for the reader emotionally. I just feel like personally, it was a missed opportunity. And people would have looked back on Ruinstorm as a as a really significant book, because it was the book where Sanguinius believed he could or gained the belief that he could actually win against Taurus. And that would have been really cool. What do you think about that? Or are you are you happy with how it played out?
1: I mean, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I, I don't think it would necessarily make a lot of sense. But, to be fair, all Sanguinis needed to do, right? At that point, they knew that Terra was still standing, right? Yeah. so Because they'd had uh, astropathic communications and, and stuff at the end of the book, right? All that Sanguinis needed to do in order to just completely nullify his vision that he loses is kill Curse, just stab him you know like if you stab him all of all of it is invalidated it's it's over (laughs) you know at that point you can think whatever the hell you want (laughs) Uh, Mm. but like he doesn't for some reason he goes like this is my fate this is your fate goodbye now brother and just you know in essence he lets him go kind of even though not really um but i I guess (laughs) yeah no that's like a really big gripe of mine um but I guess I gotta follow the story, right? Um, but the other thing is, I'm not sure he isn't actually. He doesn't actually have some hope because by the time he throws Kurz out, essentially confirming Kurz's fate, uh, Kurz is still like, oh, this could still change. Like, stuff could still change. I'm like absolutely terrified because I don't know what's gonna happen next, right? So so yeah, Cinquini didn't even need to kill Kurz. He needed to take either either killed Kurz or he took Kurz to Terra. Instead, he just goes like, "I can't forgive you. Therefore, I can't take you to Terra. Screw you. go suffer your fate, bro." Like, why? Yeah. Why would you do that?
0: And I think that's a running problem with Kurz is because he's the only because he because his story is so predetermined. Compared to all the other Primarchs, like we know, a lot of the, you know, the the traitor Primarchs are alive, somewhere in forty k. A lot of them are coming back, obviously, into as, as models and into the lore more prominently. But Kers was like Kurs survives to forty first millennium, and then an Imperial assassin sneaks up, a bit, and then he's like, you don't need to sneak around. I know exactly what's going to happen, and the assassin kills him, like it's so narrow that you don't have a lot of maneuvering with Kurz. So like Kurz now thinks maybe he's not sure what's going to happen, but like surely he's just going to get back on track now. And he's just be like, oh, oh, nothing to worry about. We're all, we're back on for the, uh, for the old assassin death. Uh, um, well,
1: here's a, here's a fun theory, uh, based on uh, that, uh, you know how, um, Kurz is always saying, Oh, uh, the Emperor is going to send a, an agent to kill me, right? Like, it's going to be one of the Emperor's agents? Yep. But the Assassinorum is actually Malkador's agency, you know? Okay. So, so, so like, what if, right? Follow my, my crazy train of thought here. What if Malkador is actually the Emperor? You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> oh, oh, brother. <laughs> oh. We're out
1: here, bro. We're out
0: here.
1: <laughs> um, I've unveiled it all.
0: But yeah, I think I think that's my biggest gripe with this book um, is ultimately does it, you know, does it serve a, a unique and interesting purpose that adds something noteworthy to the heresy? Not really. All the characters kind of mentally... Just get back on track by the end of the book, don't don't really carry anything forward. Right? Yeah. 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 Um some really cool battle scenes, though, I think. Um but at the same time, like the fleet warfare, right? I didn't really get the scale that I would have expected uh, this book to have. If you think about all these fleets that are active is like there'd be so many ships and it doesn't really feel like that. And it's not, you know, it's not something many authors can do in my opinion. Like I think the only time I've really felt a sense of scale in the, in the Naval sense is no, no fear when the word bearers, you know, Pearl Harbor, the Ultramarines. Um, Terrible.
1: That's
0: a bit harsh. <laughs> sorry, 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 Dan. Sorry, Dan. He didn't mean it. Yeah, <laughs> mean it was, it,
1: it was a joke. It was a joke for sure, for sure. A lot of ultramarines uh, marines and ward bearers. Died. Therefore, it was actually a really good book because um, yeah, they all, they all deserved it. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow,
0: I look forward to I look forward to the siege, buddy. I look forward <laughs> to the siege. All these white scars not doing so hot, I imagine. Um, yeah, it's. uh so the space battles the space battles were kind of cool. Um I think the land battle at the first at Pyram that was pretty cool. Wait, that was wait,
1: pretty wait. cool. Uh, to, to to add to the space battle thing. I think the main reason why it doesn't seem um like like it's that huge. It's mainly the last naval battle where it's just like oh yeah, so there's this big ship and it's escort, and then it just goes like, oh yeah, this name died, oh, that name died, and then it goes like, oh, a bunch of escorts died, and at the end it's just like, yeah, a third of the fleet died, and, and you're like, when did that happen? You know, last we saw was just, yeah, sure, it was rampaging through the fleet, right? But like, it, it, there's no... Uh, there's like yeah. no right connection, I mean, you
0: know? I get, the, I get the sense that the naval battle doesn't go well, I think it it communicates that, you know, like the red tear is literally about to, is like about to, I don't know, just go, go all out on a, on a blaze of glory. Um, And, and so obviously when the blood angels flagships in trouble, that's, that might, you know, might necessarily convey, but it's not going well, but yeah, I think. Yeah. I get the warp fuckery involved, but I really, you know, Maybe it should have had some sort of super weapon that really cleaned out a load of ships. That would have been quite cool. I mean, it
1: literally grew out a lance <laughs> at one point.
0: That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, go big, go big or go home, Mister Warp. So Warp, <laughs> live a little. I shout out, feel bad for the poor shattered legion guys in this book. Uh, just a just an 07 to those guys. You know, they like diligently protected a load of refugees. Get ordered to leave that planet, leave all the civilians behind. They're like, Oh well everyone's at Davin, so we'll go we'll go patrol this little thing. And then just a ship arrives and basically instantly just destroys them, and they they know as soon as a ship goes shows up, they're like, Oh, we're dead.
1: Yeah, they they literally had a we're still flying half a ship moment before just leaving.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a. Uh... I mean, you not know, not a, a finest hour for the Iron Hands and the Raven guys. It's, uh, poor guys, they can't catch a break in this book series, can they? <laughs> uh, oh, we need a punching bag legion. Allow well, us to introduce uh, ourselves.
1: Ah, uh, here's two. <laughs> here's
0: two. Um, yeah, um, but Pyram was pretty cool. I thought the uh, you got. I think this, the sense of scale was pretty good there. Um, you know the the size of the assault. And um, pretty impressed they can coordinate it all whilst charging into battle. There, I know it's Bobby G, but he's like literally riding out the top of a land raider, just <laughs> organising one of the biggest like assaults that's been seen for a long time in this part of the uh, of the of the galaxy. He's just doing it nonchalantly, man.
1: I mean, to be fair, all he needs to do. Uh, is just go into the strategium, gather his captains and go like all right here this is the plan you do that you do that blah 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 blah, blah. and then he doesn't need to do anything on the field or not much you know
0: oh, yeah but he must have just been doing it for kicks um he must have just been a bit bored um you know he did miss most of calf basically and he got sucked out an airlock um learned he could fly in space which is pretty cool or survive at least in space but um probably would have been preferred to have been leading. And I think also it, it, it's something, it, it's part of his character development that happened after Kalf. You know, he goes from being this empire builder of the 500 worlds to the avenging son, this guy who does just go and throw down with Angron and Lorgar and not instantly die, you know? Um, his intentions are cool. His intentions are cool, but he does get like his face mauled by Angron, doesn't he? He doesn't, or is it Lorgar who mauls his face? Does Lorgar get a
1: licker? Sorry? Wasn't it Corfaron? Oh. No.
0: Korfaron just like nearly stabs him and then Gilman literally just rips a heart out of him. Wait, um, do you
1: mean the Explodey Boy?
0: No, I in, in um I mean. In Betrayer. The book, about, the book about Argyll Tal and Khan. And then at the end.
1: Yeah, I can't remember him dueling. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah,
0: yeah, you literally too. It's just—it's for classic. It's for Logar El Classico. So basically, they're on um, Angron's homeworld, aren't they? Um, New Syria. It's all—it's okay. all, it's all a bit dead. Do you not remember any of this?
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I remember them being in... um. On... Yeah, because they,
0: they like go overworldy is go like surfing on land raiders to go and they like scale the Imperator that shows up.
1: Wait. Do you remember but, uh... that?
0: No, I don't... What is... What? Well, you know, uh, right, okay, spoilers for Betrayer. Argotal <laughs> dies, right? Yes. And he dies on a titan in the shadow of Great Wings. Yes. Work backwards from there. So basically the world, world eaters and word surf on like land raiders and land speeders and everything to rush to the Imperator before it can engage them and get under its firing arc, basically. And like they scale the titan and kill it. And meanwhile, while that's happening, the Ultramarines are attacking... Another part of the battlefield and Gilliman personally comes down and Lorgar and him start dueling it out. And I'm pretty sure Lorgar like clocks him in the face with um the mace that Lorgar has. And it really messes Gilliman's oh. face up. That, that's and, still- but then, oh. but then Gilliman lays the smack down on Lorgar and Angron has to save him. Just like how Korax laid the smack down on Lorgar and Conrad Kurz had to come and save him. The Lorgar El Classico. I-,
1: I wonder who's next. <laughs>
0: Um, I don't know. I mean, ADB didn't get permission to kill him. Yeah, is a shame. isn't that referenced in this book? Uh, Sangrini- yeah, Sanguinius has a vision of where he kills Lorgar. That's what ADB wanted to do. So I think that's like an ode to ADB's plan. Um, ADB want. I think they wanted Lorgar, Lorgar would have been at the siege, and. Sanguinis would have just put him down and no one would have come to have saved him. The Lorgar El Clasico finally ends in defeat for Lorgar. The Lorgar El Clasico
1: didn't have another backup.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they had no substitutes this time for the Lorgar El Clasico. They, uh, they had to play the full 90 and he got bad. Um So, well, I mean, where were we? We're talking about the the Latin battle. I want to talk yeah. about the... Um, the the Tribune of Sanguinius. because so that's pretty cool. I actually quite liked that. The, the
1: Tribune? Yeah. Wait, what, do you, what do you mean?
0: Isn't that, isn't that what he's called?
1: Huh? Br-
0: the, bro- bro- the guy who doesn't speak, bro- who sacrifices himself for Sanguinius at the end of oh, the book.
1: Oh, the Herald.
0: It's a Herald. God damn it. Yeah, it means the same word. I was wondering why I couldn't get the research results on the Because I'm pretty sure I read um a short story about this. Um uh, bear with me. There's a lot of Heralds.
1: Okay, well the well, we research is, uh I do have to say the Herald's an absolute badass dude. The Herald, ten out of ten. I gotta love the guy. I have no idea who he is. He never speaks a single word. Still a ten out of ten character, dude. That guy that guy knows what's up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs>
0: Yeah, so what I think I remember about this short story is that the it's like um, God damn it! Um, well, uh,
1: they, basically, there's
0: two, there's two, there's two Blood Angels competing for the role of Herald, and they do loads of challenges in this short story, and then at the end, the one that goes on to be this guy in this book goes forward, and Ascalon and Rylanor. and for and basically, um, no one's allowed to know really who the Herald is. So they, so they literally kill the other person. They kill the, fa- they execute the failing, the failing candidate. Um, okay. and so, you know, which mate which is really cool and it's quite dark for the blood angels. Um, it's an audio drama called Herald of Sanguinius. Here we go. Uh, there's the Lexicon entry is empty.
1: <laughs> Damn bro. Um, I yeah, no.
0: So that's basically like the premise of, of how these heralds are selected, though. Is it, it's about? Um, uh, so was, it's.
1: Why was Rylanor there? Hold on, <laughs> I'll It's just
0: Ascalon. It's just Ascalon. Oh, okay. Or Rylenor would have been there because Rylanor is the first captain, of course. So and Rylanor's in on basically everything else that that's going on, right?
1: Wait, wait, dude, are, are we okay? Something's going on, dude. Right. Rylenor... <laughs> You mean Ryland, Ralderon,
0: Ralderon, Ralderon. Are the Blood Angels the most forgettable characters in the Horus Heresy? Seems Bro, like it, doesn't it?
1: Are we in the world? Nobody.
0: Right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have. Yeah. I'd have. I any excuse to see more of or man. I'd have loved to. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's my fan fiction I wrote. Um. But, uh, okay, yeah, so Azkilon, Raleron isn't even there. so don't have to worry about it. But, yeah, so I don't know if you know... It's, it's a really prominent model. I think it came out when I started playing 40k for the first time when I was, like, 10, 11, called Sanguinor, And I'm sure through your wiki dwellings before we started this podcast, you probably came up across the Sanguinal. Yes. Yeah, so I... I I'm under the assumption it's heavily implied, if not confirmed, through this book that that's who that is, right?
1: Uh, I, I have no idea. I I, I never Sanguino,
0: sanguinius says that this tribute, the herald, sorry, um, when he sacrifices himself, he he grows. He can see wings. Oh, and the, he wings, sees yeah. them, and
1: and the flash of gold.
0: Yeah, gold. Yeah, which basically is like a nod. I don't think it. it yeah. So basically he missed the presidents himself and then what is going to happen and now he's in the afterlife he's attached to sanguinius and he does he does what he does uh in 40k he appears when the blood angels are at their worst to save the day
1: but but um, right, real, real quick can, can we just appreciate how the switch like between sanguinius and the herald um when um madael i think was the demon's name is like stuck halfway between the portal, like how casually it just happens. <laughs> Did you notice that?
0: Yeah, no, it's like, um, it's very similar to Master of Mankind when the Emperor just yeets for spear into Ra. Run.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's like, Sanguinius is like struggling and shit. He's like, I-, I gotta stay here, like, laying back down because I can't hold him any other way. And then Gilliman and The lion are like, oh, we'll help you. We'll defeat him together. And he's like, no, you have to go. And the herald just kind of walks up, goes like, taps him on the shoulder, just stabs the demon and goes like, just points away, you know, just points to the fucking other Primarchs. And that's it. That's the
0: exchange. (laughs) Sanguinius is just like, yes. (laughs) Runs off.
1: (laughs) well, he seems super strong. He probably can hold it, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think Sanguinius seems like... I'm going to be honest, well, good job for Gilliman for being so open-minded, this book, because like pre calf Gilliman, Sangrinius would have looked like he was on an acid trip. You know? <laughs> but no! I've got to fight Horus! I'm going to make it, so don't worry! And Gilliman's like, Jesse, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, no, you have to blow up the planet. Don't blow up the planet right now. Okay, we won't blow up the planet. Blow up the planet right now! Oh. <laughs> You know, uh, Gilliman's Gilman, done very well. His self-control has is, is greatly improved, as has the Lion. Let's um, be
1: honest. If it was Dorne, Sanguinius would have been dead before setting foot on Davin. Uh, I, I had to throw a jab, <laughs>
0: <laughs> At least whatever. Dorne would have been there, buddy. Where's Ka- like, where's the Khan? Literally con- nowhere for the, the entire whole series. doing
1: relevant and important things, okay?
0: Your first captain died trying to take a space station as a yes. distraction.
1: He-, he died after we out of a Mary Sue, all right? And the Mary Sue went like, wait, you're not who I think you are. And oh, do you know
0: what, buddy? Not- your, your first captain's dead to a Mary Sue. Mine is the Mary Sue. So, unlucky. Disgusting. Disgusting. My, <laughs> we do not take owls here in the uh, Imperial Fist, as long as Pollux is kept as far away as possible. <laughs> Can <Could> we <he> also <laughs> mention that, like, he... Where is he? I don't is, that guy? is he on the Ferris still?
1: He might still be yeah, on the Ferris, so
0: right? he gar- He's just guarding a blown-up wreck. <laughs> they really were just like, this character sucks so much, I just don't want to write him. <laughs> I do not want to write such an utter failure into my novel.
1: Wait, doesn't the Ferris still work as like a communications device at this point?
0: Yeah, and Gilliman just like his... Yeah, but it's like, probably kind of like... Once a Ruinstorm's gone, they're not really going to need it, so they literally just put Pollux... They kept Pollux in charge.
1: <laughs> feel <laughs> bad really. for
0: anyone. Feel bad for anyone in the, in the Horus Heresy universe. I feel bad for the Ultramarines who have to listen to Pollux all day. Oh, like...
1: What was it? It was uh, the 99th Aegis Corps, or whatever the hell it was.
0: I could have won the Battle of Foul, you know. Yes, granddad. <laughs> Let's let's get you back to bed. <laughs> Oh, no. so, um, so yeah, no, we, do, we don't take elves over here unless Pollux is involved. We put all of our elves into him.
1: I mean, you don't take elves because you're essentially in like an elderly home, just sitting in a wall, going like, ah, oh, one day we will defend these great walls.
0: <laughs> well, you haven't watched Game of Thrones, have you? <laughs> no. no. The knights watch are very similar. They literally just defend a big wall and they're like, shit's coming. Shit's coming, everyone's like, really? And then the shit comes and they're uh, they kind of needed. Um, yeah,
1: in this case, let's be real. They're not really needed. The, the war isn't even in on the imperial palace, man. Come on.
0: Hey, they weren't allowed to go into the imperial palace, so were they? They wanted to. They would have given it a good old college try down there.
1: Nah, nah, nah. I think you're capping. And anyhow, uh, the book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. What what, 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 do you want me to talk about? Oh,
1: uh, do to... I don't know. We were I'm talking asking... about Peron, right? So we can, I mean, I, f- I guess we can finish Piran. Um, it's like, it's the most interesting. That was kind
0: of cool. I feel like the, the problem is though, like Piran, it's just like sit, a situation to get Sanguinius into a fever dream, which happens probably one too many times this book almost. Like I get this is... And that this is kind of my overarching problem, right? Sanguinis goes through all these fever dreams, and literally, his men is, is the end state compared to the start state is no different. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like if you're going to put him through all this, have him think differently at the end of the book. Yeah, it's, right. Uh... Am I wrong? Am I wrong that he fundamentally does not change his, his understanding of anything, despite the fact he gets sucked into two warp entities?
1: it's really it's really weird. it feels like yeah it feels like Gilliman just should like have learned the lesson but but at the same time it doesn't feel like he did even though he like ends up you know destroying the Athames he also he still did use the navigators that died right And it seems like he still like has a little bit of that oh we can use our enemy's weapon against him kind of mentality. It's like... yeah. okay, I would say that's
0: part of his character though I would say that's part of character development because he's so rigid and by the book at the start that it's like Kalf completely rocks his world and he re- drastically rethinks everything it only takes him half an hour but yeah, drastically rethinks how he how he's going to approach this conflict right? so I think he, for example he reinstates for Librarius at some point yeah yeah um, and yeah, uses stuff as long as it's effective, he will use it,
1: dude. Kind poor of poor Pilo Rubio,
0: <laughs> yeah. That guy got, got cancelled, he basically got cancelled, and then <laughs> taken away by mouth. he's doing cooler things, Rubio's. Yeah.
1: It was like, all he had to do was hold out for like six more months. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's probably fuming at Garrow. When he looks back at like the <laughs> data logs, he's like, if you just had left me alone for six weeks, I'd I wanted to still be my friend.
1: <laughs> Poor guy, practical, dude.
0: <laughs> practical. You leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> <laughs> God um, damn it, dude. But yeah, no, I think Gilliman has obviously become more uh, adaptive. Even more so, you know, which is kind of the Ultramarines whole thing, right? It's like they're rigid, but they they gain that rig- rigidity through learning. It's not, it's not like the Imperial Fists where it's like, that's how dad did it, it's how granddad did it, it's how I'll do it, you know, yeah, which sure. they, they are incredibly rigid, the Imperial Fists. That's kind of why I like them. But, um, Nerd. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, um, what I really like about the Imperial Fists as well is how like major elements didn't try and usurp Dawn and join Horus. I think that was really cool, how like the Loyalists in Legions was loyal. Which is something you can't say about other loyalist legions, like the White Scars where like literally like a quarter of them literally try and join Horus.
1: That honestly is... just sounds like an uninteresting legion.
0: Um it's it's what you see is what you get.
1: Yeah, imagine being that. Also, way. they
0: get plus one to hit on any bolt and auto weapon. So why would you not play them?
1: Because uh, you can go fast.
0: It doesn't matter. It does it doesn't matter. matter. Okay, you yes. will die fast when you come towards me on the yes. table.
1: I will die fast and throat singing as I <laughs> go yeah. three hundred. You can die fast or power. slow, buddies.
0: It doesn't make any difference to me. Um. So, yeah, no, I I don't think Bobby G's poorly written in this book. I think it's a development of his psyche and writing him as something other than a miserable bastard. The same way that the line is not written like a complete oaf. I don't think I could have handled another book where the line just shits the bed. I, don't th- I really don't think I could. I think it would have really just been like, oh, just kill him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was just broken down at that point. Just
0: get in the rock already. Blow, go blow up Caliban and have a lie down because I don't want to. That's what
1: was hoping for in this book, man.
0: Shit! You wanted, to... <laughs> you wanted the Caliban to get rid of That's a bit. That's very Angels of Caliban of you. It's like, oh, can we. Hey, David. Um, it's the editors from Black Library here. Can you do a book where you get Sanguineous to Terra, explain why Gilliman can't get to Terra, and resolve Caliban with yes. the Lion? Yes, that's in, literally in what one I mean. book. That that in is
1: literally book. what I wanted.
0: <laughs> I did not want that. I'd take a whole book. I th- I liked this book, it was straightforward, right? I'd say that. It was straightforward. It didn't deviate anywhere. It was a it was a linear story.
1: All, all right? I want to point out and the one thing that all our listeners, God bless your hearts, <laughs> are right now hearing is that we can't even focus on the goddamn book we've said like what right what i'll
0: say to that is when we did horus rising we basically just went like oh yeah and then that happened Uh uh-huh oh yeah and then this happened oh yeah so i personally this is more interesting people are here for that as graham said go on those tangents Take those
1: true, true, true. take true. those less
0: odd paths. We're gonna get there in the end, Varela. don't worry about it. But like, like let's I'm face saying, it like... let's face it, there's not too much actual This is my this is the whole point of what I'm saying about this book is fundamentally there is not a lot of plot to cover. It can be explained very quickly.
1: Yeah, the book is small as well. The book is quite small.
0: Yeah. What well, do you want me to say about Conrad Kirz? He's underused. We've covered everything he does in this book already.
1: Funny. He's funny.
0: (laughs) I didn't really find I didn't find him funny. I was just dude, he just I was punching my phone every time I heard the blade in Carmine. So I didn't (laughs) really hear what was happening with Kurz.
1: Dude. (laughs) Whenever Kurz appeared, he like just freaked out. He just lost it. It was I don't know, it was kind of funny to
0: me. I don't think he was written very well in this book. Compared to whichever one he's in, where um well, compared to say, is it Faros, where he's like uh, he's very clever. He tricks Gilliman and the line, and they get teleported to Faros. And um, is, is basically, actually... in the Imperium Secundus arc, he's very well written. I'd say, yeah, yeah. With his, you know, the the scene of Sanguinius in that this, this whole book is sort of jumping off from, is really well written. You know, yeah, you he's, can
1: literally see the the jump from. A really good character to just a random maniac in this book because I think he's the cocky bastard that he was in the Imperium Secundus arc, right? But then, like, he gets his foundations rocked like once and not even like in any like convincing way, right? Mm. And he just goes like, he just loses it. He just becomes like a crybaby, you know.
0: I think this is like what happened with in This book is he's the stereotype of what people think about him as opposed to we've had, um, and, and it's more just a case of like, well, he's, he needs to be in this book because you can't end imperium Cause there was no moment. There's no real moment. I think it would have been quite cool to have this speech somewhere, have them announce that they're disbanding Imperium Secundus. It's just like, it's just sort of happened right in between books. Um, and resolve what's happened because, like, where's sevatar again? Isn't Savitar with locked up as well?
1: I have no idea. I don't, think he's- I don't think he's mentioned a single time during this, but I, I think he is
0: because, like, in Pharos, they mention he's captured. Yeah. Um, and he gets. I I listened to the short story where he gets captured. Basically, he, he rides a fighter through space. Um, onto the Dark Angel ship. It's it's part of the um. Thramus Crusade. It's like the culmination of the Thramus Crusade, the final battle. He knows that Kurs is on the ship along with a load of other night lords and he flies over on a fighter. Literally. He doesn't fly it. He surfs on it. And then basically he gets to Kurs and then Kurz realises it's not going to work out and Kurz runs off and all his all these night lords who have come to Kirs's aid get captured by um, the Dark Angels. Um, and he's, yeah. So Kurs is kind of written into this book because he it needs to be. They need to. It, it feels like the writer just wanted to acknowledge that Kurz was there. It doesn't feel like he wanted Kurz to play a big part of the book.
1: Alright.
0: I don't. Well, I'm at, yeah, that was kind of a question mark there as to uh, what your opinion on the matter is. If you uh, feel the same way, or if like he was, he was meant to be a big part of this book, and it's just not landed.
1: I I, <laughs> I think he's meant to be like. A part of the book, you know. I don't know. I don't know what to make out of Kers on this. It's what I told you. To me, it was just a comedic relief. When it whenever he showed up, it was just like some dumb shit, man. Every time.
0: Now you know how I feel about Pollux. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, so, so that is that is Kurs. Um uh, I mean
1: The Blade and Carmine.
0: Mm, indeed. The Spear of Telestos. <laughs> quite, quite. Yes, yes,
1: Of course.
0: We should just do that. should be our thing from now on if we have a we're in a jam. Or like if we're yeah. We'll just be like mmm. Blade and Carmine.
1: It's just a random weapon. It doesn't even need to be the blade and Carmine or the, mm. <laughs> the Spear of Telestos.
0: I don't really know any other.
1: Well, now, now I don't we the... do
0: do you know any of the other Primarchs' weapons?
1: We got now the the Hand of Oblivion. We have uh the Wolf's Blade, of course. We have Dawnbreaker, right? That's one is of that,
0: them. Is that um is that Lorgar's mace? Someone's going angry. I, I I think so. Oh, that sounds check. right.
1: Dawnbreaker forty k. Let's, let's see. Let's um, see.
0: Angron's weapon was Gorechild, I think.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You have you had Gore, had Gorechild, not anymore. Yeah. Oh, it's Dawnbringer. and Don it's Bringer. uh it's Vulcan's weapon.
0: Oh, okay. Um, I don't know what Lorgar's is called. I don't know uh, if you heard the name for Russ's weapon.
1: Oh, we get the uh, the lair blade, but that's more um, that that becomes Lucius's blade at some point. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I still mean, for... he has
0: it on his model. Yes. Fulgrim gives it to him. Um.
1: Uh. What else? What else?
0: Yeah, but but there we go. We've got we've got some options. You can even just be like, Umbra, Umbra Pat and Bolter.
1: (laughs) The arbitrator.
0: Yeah. And um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else in this book I really feel the itch to talk about. I feel like it's weird for Gilliman and the Lion not to come to be ham-fisted into an epilogue because... Because Sor- Sanguinis is literally source. Trust me, bro. Right? <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. well, I'm gonna be there, guys. So don't worry about me. You guys just don't bother. It's like that's such a weird, like, if you're gonna yeah. I mean, fundamentally, I would say, if you're gonna do a book about them trying to get to terror, you need to have a pretty consistent reasoning and and detailed reasoning about, like, maybe have them split up somehow. May you know, and then and then whoa. You've got another arc to the book. Incredible. Yeah? But it's just kinda of, it is you're right. I'm not wrong, but it's basically just surmised at the end, but it's like Ah, oh, well, I don't think you're gonna make it. I will though. Good <laughs> luck. Right? Am I wrong on that?
1: Yeah, yeah it's like it's <laughs> it's weird. It's it's like, oh, there's a bunch of uh, blockades from here to Terra, like the astropaths have told us, and they're just like Ah, there's no, there's no way we can all make it through, because if we do, like, a a, a straight-on assault, the Horus has more forces than three legions, therefore we'll die. But like, here's the thing about a blockade, right? It's gotta be, like, spread out. If all three of you attack the same spot, and then just ditch after you do the attack, Horus isn't gonna be able to respond on time. You can literally just keep going, you know? Like... I, I think all three of them just had a lion moment together. No, Sangrenius
0: was like, sang- sang- Sangre is just like, brothers, I read the Space Marine Codex 3rd edition released in 2001. <laughs> you guys aren't meant to be there. Sorry. <laughs> That's all good.
1: Oh, you know that meme? It's like, Source, it was revealed to me in a dream. Yeah, That's where
0: it's Sangrenius. It's
1: the whole way through. <laughs> so-
0: my favorite footnote of all time Nat. i just <laughs> finished, i just submitted my dissertation um before this episode i was really i was tempted to put a footnote in just to see if it was caught
1: just <laughs> <laughs> so it was be up to me in a dream, in a
0: dream. <laughs> not like but not like the biggest footnote of the, you know not something that my whole argument rests on maybe if it was just like this was bad because of reason footnote yeah,
1: there there was just like a random citation <laughs> you got the end
0: of the paralysis book. demon told me. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, it ultimately, I I would say not a bad book, fun like a Marvel film, um, and I would argue a missed opportunity to to put some really interesting story in there that doesn't necessarily change the overall outcome of the heresy, but perhaps adds ump to, to future parts and people would have looked back on this book and been like this is actually a pretty good book but i think this will be lost in the depths of it's at the top end of that sort of sprawl of middle books that didn't do very well but that that's all it'll be and i think you can surmise if you if you were if you were helping someone through the Horus heresy and telling them what books to do i could just go Okay, by the way, so I don't necessarily know if it's like now. It, I think Sanguinius may show up before the Siege of Terror because I'm pretty sure he's involved in another battle once he sort of breaks through to the soul system. But I don't want to spoil anything. Um, you just you could just say to someone like, oh, by the way, um, Sanguinius was able to get through the Ruin Storm to the soul system, but uh, the Ultramines and the Dark Angels couldn't find their way through. And that basically covers this book. It's everything you need to know.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Which is, you know, a little bit disappointing. And I feel like Black Library felt like they needed to write this book, but they didn't, at the same time, didn't want to change anything. So um, that basically sums it up for me. And, uh, I mean, you know, illustrious Assault Cannon. (laughs) Um, And. i guess we could talk a little bit about what we do what our next book's going to be oh uh, it.
1: isn't this the one isn't this the book where uh there's a dreadnought called the derideo class
0: the dorito class yes yeah, yeah
1: it's it actually pretty
0: cool, cool. it's pretty cool to hear that mention because that's not something that's a model that yeah. and so like for example leviathan dreadnoughts right basically not meant basically something that was made for the tabletop to add a different type of dreadnought N- not mentioned in the in the books right like um, i don't think so because they're, qu- they're quite a new edition i think in in terms of like so like the heresy started the heresy board game started in like 2012 but like so but like contemptors were a thing in the artwork right like older heresy artwork um, had, they were like, oh well, let's do dreadnoughts a different way, and so then the, novel, the writers have been like, oh okay, dreadnoughts look like that, or oh, we'll come up with a mark. Oh, it's a contemptor dreadnought, and that's that's for chassis that he uses. And and the Leviathan wasn't really part of that, I don't think. I'm pretty sure it was something that was made for the tabletop because it's like it's like a box nought contemptor, right? It's a very big chunky contemptor. It's an easy yeah,
1: I'm looking it. at it right now. Yeah, yeah. that's a um,
0: one. And the Dorito, I. Don't know. I, again I think it's something that's made for the tabletop, and that's a kind of a cool homage. It's basically something to bring uh to shoot down aircraft is one of the main reasons you bring it on the tabletop.
1: I oh think. it actually it gets um it gets referenced in four of the series books and in the uh Horiser's Legioni's Astardes. So it gets referenced in book six, seven, eight and nine.
0: Oh, that's of the tabletop book series, mate.
1: Is it? All right, well,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah not the oh yeah, be the series. yeah you're, you're absolutely
1: yeah, yeah. right that's that's unfortunate that then, then so you're like... absolutely right there's... Well, there's also it's
0: kind of cool for something from the tabletop to make it maybe we'll see that maybe um maybe we will see like a leviathan turn up at some point i'm not too sure if it will but um that'd be kind of cool um so yeah do you know what book we're covering next do you remember no. <laughs> it is is it Wolf Spain?
1: Oh, is it Wolfsbane? Okay, okay, okay. Wolf
0: Spain. Wolf Spain, the story which is also if you you know, you can easily put together by now, we're kind of cutting some corners here a little bit. Um there's a lot of books have been left on the cutting room floor, and maybe we'll come back to them one day, but uh, you know I'm dip duck dodging and diving siege of terror spoilers everywhere I go now. We kinda need to <laughs> I think we need to get a so the plan is do this series and then one, one more will explore the books in there for obviously for the rumor engine, but, and then we'll do, we'll do the siege and we'll basically, I think we'll just run the siege series and take some breaks in between books if we need them and whatever. But ultimately I don't feel like we need to split the siege up into series. I think we'll just, cause I don't feel as much point doing rumor engine cause it's just, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's just a straight
0: line. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's linear. So, um, uh yeah, so Wolf Spain is gonna be, I'm pretty confident we have a story about uh why the Space Wolves aren't on terror. I really hope something I really hope it's not another Rune Storm, but it's basically serving the purpose as to why the Space Wolves who were on terror at this point in the heresy where we're at, I think. Because obviously when uh Jagatai arrives to Terror, he's met by the Space Wolves fleet, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to yeah. explain why they're not there for the siege. Sorry.
1: Uh, the, the, when uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about
0: it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so that's going to be this story, and I think Liam and Russ is going to go out and fight Horus if it covers anything to go by. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that one actually. This guy, Guy Haley, he writes books like a mother trucker So um, he, does write books. I mean, he does. He writes a lot of books. He writes them quick as well. <laughs> um, and that'll be our that'll be our series finale right well our name's Horace Hour we've done an hour yeah, yeah we broke it we, we broke that time to, it's mark. time to close it out um, if you didn't know already we've got a Patreon where you can sign up for as little as one pound a month get a special video each month um, and it's pretty cool and certain tiers we even have some cool like, crossover stuff in my Imperial Fist Army Varela would do it but have you finished this guitar uh Run a yeah. run a production rate of about ten models every two years on the Varela side. So it is a, you will end up as an Imperial Fist if you choose those sort of tiers, but such is life, eh? Um, <laughs> and we have we have merch. All of this can be found. All this information can be found um, on, on our Twitter. Twitter. On Twitter, and there's also a link to our Discord. There, we can come and chat to us, and. That is about it. Varela has an important thing to do, which she's now going to do seamlessly right now. Go. Uh, uh,
1: A big thank you to all our Patreons. Uh, Your support is very appreciated. Uh, In this case, especially because now we have not one, but two Primark tier um, Patreons. Uh, Salz and Puck, thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do it without you guys.
0: Yep, I'm super excited to add your guys' additions into my army it's going to be very exciting uh, and uh and yeah thank you to all the other patrons as well obviously yes Um, um sorry
1: that nobody is going to be able to you know match the majesty of squad for you know that's just how it is <laughs> sometimes it happens dude you know <laughs> I
0: should never have told the other team that that was squad forever that doomed <laughs> you your squad was like it wasn't in a great place but I was like I had a plan to maneuver it and I was like oh hang on let me just send a Varela a picture of where Squad, squad Varela's up to and the, one of our mods looked at it and was like, that's Varela's squad? I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, hmm. And then all the tanks pointed at them for some <laughs> reason. Uh, uh, yeah, and a load of infantry showed up as well. But they did—they killed a rhino at Warhammer World. Not everyone can say that they've had a squad named after and blur up a rhino at Warhammer World.
1: Exactly, so Probably see? Probably
0: very few what? people. So there you go. Um, so yes, you two can become a, a plastic soldier in my army. Um, Blading Carmine.
1: Spirit uh, it's,
0: it's uh it's goodbye <laughs> from uh, it's goodbye from me and from oh. Heavy Flamer.
1: you You want to try that again? You're back. <laughs>
0: From, from Vasquez
1: oh. <laughs> alright thanks system and to all our viewers I'll see ya
0: bye now